from the Woodpecker Studio in the great state of New Hampshire. Welcome to the Sounds Like a Search and Rescue podcast, where we discuss all things related to hiking and search and rescue in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. Here are your hosts, Mike and Stump. I'm rolling. You rolling? Oh, yeah. Times are the yeah with no with no guests in the in the Woodpecker Studio. Are you letting the executive producer and the assistant executive producer <laughs> join us? It's only the assistant, and um, I put this later in the show notes, but I think I'll mention it now. Quick, literally a few minutes ago, Mrs. Stomp asked me. So, out of all the cats you've had in your life, which are your favorite top three? I'm like, oh my god. So I went with this cat I had named Midnight when I was a young boy. And then Aria, who just passed away, that's number two. So that put me in a dilemma. Like, am I going to pick the assistant producer or the executive? So I went with the executive, Luna, which puts poor little Bubby down here in fourth place. She didn't make the cut. The assistant producer did not make the cut. My wife's like, I can't believe that. I feel like you're supposed to do like what you do with your kids, where you're like, I, you know, you're all my favorites. <laughs> I, I suppose at the moment, though, yeah. mm, she's got some work to do that to aim to earn the uh, pole position. So, all right, we're all we're all pulling for the assistant executive producer. So, <laughs> right. anyway, uh, but we are we're gonna we're gonna do an animal say well not an animal say but. I think we have some animal stuff on the notes here, but anyway. But yeah. um, I saw it's snowing where you are Dude, right now. What, it is, it, what is, is this nonsense? It's actually collecting. So what is today's date? Today is the 27th, so April 27th. It's coming down really heavy right now. But, uh, you know, we're at a higher elevation. I guess some of our local friends are saying it's, it's warm and it's sort of dry, but we're getting hit right now. It's crazy. This is late for us, I think, to, you know, compared to other years. Yeah, yeah, snow should be over. Hey, can I ask you a question? Yeah. What is going on with you? So for the listeners, Stomp has some sort of a, I don't know if it's a cloak or if it's a, like, do you have like a binky? Do you have a wrap? <laughs> yeah, this is my my heat blanket here. It's called, a, we call it a precious, but it's like a plush black uh, blanket with uh, felt on the inside and I'm in the basement essentially so I'm freezing to death down here it takes a while for the heat to catch up so I have my my sweaty white t-shirt on with like old spaghetti stains and yeah. and this like Gandalf cloak yes that's me yeah it's very weird look at first I thought you were like uh, you know when those on zoom calls when you can put the fake background on but then things appear like that's sort of what it looked like for a minute but anyway, all right, mystery solved very informal tonight yeah, yeah, exactly. So anyway, but um, all right. So we got a few topics before we get to the show opener. So I am so excited. Remember how we talked about the, um, what are those things called? The the wing suits, the, the, the squirrel suits? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they're just wing suits. 
Yeah, pretty crazy. Decided that we the, the, there's not enough. So we talked to Martin about it, and we figured there's not enough distance jump. So yeah. I was hiking, and we'll talk about this later. We're going to do like a deeper dive on Mount Adams. But I was hiking up. I was hiking down Valley Way, mm-hmm. and I got. I was like down past the hut, and I was like sort of past the. And Valley Way, there's like the annoying, like slanted section where you can like constantly feel like you're going to fall into the the ravine or whatever. So I made it past that section, and mm-hmm. then this guy came. I didn't see anybody. Like I saw like two people, um, but I saw this guy, and he's got this like giant backpack. And I was like, I didn't know what to think. I I thought I was like, all right, Stomp has a really big backpack, so I'm not going to judge him. <laughs> And then my friend Jonathan also carries like a, he carries like, he's got like a hundred liter pack that he carries, but this pack was like weird because it was like perfectly uniform, but it almost looked like, you know, those memes where like they'll have the pictures of people that have the giant backpacks and they're in like a city street or whatever. Like I've seen those oversized backpack memes. Yeah. It was like that. It was probably 150 liters. So I was just like, Hey, how you doing? And he's like, Hey, how you doing? And we just, I just moved along and I was like, I was like, what I thought was, I thought maybe he worked for the AMC and was heading up to the hut to like drop off supplies before the season opens. I don't even know if they do that, but I, uh, I think they do. Well, by helicopter anyway, many of the higher huts do. I've witnessed okay. the helicopters coming from 16, Route 16, Pinkham Notch up to uh, Madison Hut over and over again when the last time I did Adams with my wife actually but yeah and I see yeah. I see the crew all the time they have those like backboards so I sure. like, it can't be that yeah so, so like yeah the, the the kitchen crew and whatnot will do their daily runs and whatnot but I think in general the the primary provisions are brought up early in the spring yeah. yeah and I did see like there was an older couple and I honestly didn't even notice that they were wearing backpacks like they weren't like when I left Madison Hut and headed down like they were walking through that little like opening there right as I was leaving the hut they were coming in and I was like well maybe they didn't have gear and this is this is a guy that's with them that's bringing their gears so I didn't know yeah anyway I forgot about that guy and I'm moving along and then <laughs> make it make it down another mile or so and then I see these two other guys and they have these giant backpacks same thing but they're not like backpacks like there's no brand on them they're they're just these big like um nylon looking pack so i mean i was like all right i'm investigating so i was like hey how you doing and he's like hey how you doing you know how you do that on trail yeah. you, you do what do you say to actually what do you say to people when you see them on trail what's your i'm always like hey how you doing oh yeah super brief yeah i'm, I'm moving on i hate people i'm moving on that's what i say yeah, yeah. i hate so you. Leave me normally alone. normally i'm like that but i needed to <laughs> investigate this so i yeah. was i i was like are you guys doing an overnight i'm like what's with those giant packs and uh, one of the guys keeps walking. He's like, I don't want anything to do with this guy. And I, and I get that. And then this other guy was like, oh, we're paragliding. So I was like, immediately, I'm like, I got to book these guys on the show. <laughs> so <laughs> really, I, I was like, <clears throat> yeah, it was like paragliding. So I'm like looking and I'm like, how does that work? Hmm. And he's like, yeah, these are our paragliders here. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. Meanwhile, having no clue what the hell that means. I'm like, there's, there's a parachute in there somehow. But. Um, yeah, I immediately, I was like, Hey, you know, uh, I, I, have a, <laughs> I, I, said, I host a podcast. Would you be willing to come on the podcast to talk about paragliding? Like, where are you? I asked him, where are you going to jump from? Yeah. And he's like, we don't know. We'll figure it out when we get up there. 
So you dropped the I have a podcast line again, huh? That's I the did, second I time did, you've yeah, done that. Which is so douchey. Man. I'm such a douche. But um, I'm still waiting for someone to be like, hey, I know you from the podcast, but so douchey. But I was like, hey, we, I was like, this is going to sound weird. But me and my co-host were just talking about like guys in wingsuits. And we were like, we know we can't do that. But we didn't talk about paragliding. And I was like, would you come on the show? And he's like, yeah. So he gave me his information and I'm going to reach out to him or whatever. But I... I don't know if he gave me his information because he was like, this guy's a serial killer and he wants to get the hell away or if he's really down for it. But I did, I got his info. I'm not going to share it here because um, I want to reach out to him. But I also found the pictures of them. So it looks like what they did is they went up to like the, um, what is that? The Great Gulf, like that that connecting trail from airline to Great Gulf. I think they went on. Oh, King, King. Yeah, I think they went on the King Ravine side. No, wait a minute. What the hell is the name of the trail? Gulf side, Gulf side trail. Oh, so okay. they were on the the Gulf side airline that area. They are right above King Ravine, and I think that's where they took off from. And I looked at the pictures on in, on social media, and they were like out on the road. They were like out above, like through. Um, 302 and on the road there and they said they got up to like 5600 feet of elevation interesting so they were just taking so, the the air currents and i guess i guess up. so they didn't have like the um the fans on them but they had the parachutes yeah and then they must have like and there was no wind really that's interesting um, i wonder how they got it started I don't know. They must have ran or something, but I mean, there was a little bit of wind, but not much. So it wasn't the. Um, it wasn't like the squirrel wingsuit. It was like a paraglider, no, uh, more like a paraglider. Yeah, those big, those like parachutes that like. Yeah, I wonder how they got it going. Like long and wide. I don't know. Wow. But and then they the like it looks like the backpacks that they carried are like these nylon like cockpits that they sit in. Huh. Oh, so they must have to run to get it going. And then once they fill it with air, they must, I guess, Pray. have some way to like, they hop inside that little like nylon thingy and then they um, pull up and somehow they catch eardrops or something. I don't know, but it was pretty cool. Wow. I didn't see them. I met, I was in Valley Way, but I like kept looking up when I got back, to, but they wouldn't have made it to take off until I got, I left. Did you pick their brain about where they were going to land? <clears throat> No, no. I asked him, I was like, where are you taking off from? And he's like, we don't know. We'll figure it out. So I'm like, he doesn't know where he's going to take off from. He's not going to know where he's going to land. I mean, maybe the parking lot. There must be some field down there that they had scoped out because it would be illegal. Like if you were landing on the highway. I'm assuming, well, I don't know. Can they land on that tract of land where the uh, the snowmobiles are? Or is that, there's like power lines there though. Yeah, there so are. Be careful. Yeah, yeah. Power lines there. That The rail, railroad bed. That wouldn't be a good yeah. choice. Appalachia is packed with cars. It's pretty small. I don't know. That's a good, good question. Yeah. Yeah. We need I, Tom, I Becker. Like, Tom Becker. Tom yeah, Becker is the man for this we, conversation. We'll yeah, get, we him gotta on. get him on. Yeah. But uh, it's, yeah. So I'll, I'm going to reach out to them this week. And then if I can, I don't want to like, I don't even know like what the rules are for doing all this stuff. So I don't want to like publicize too much details in case it's like they don't want their names out there, but I'm going to reach out to them to, to see, and then, um, I'll post some pictures, but it was like amazing. Yeah. Um, but I'm just pissed because I, I sort of thought about, I was like, maybe I'll turn around for the podcast just to like see them take off and whatever. But then I was like, no, they don't want to deal with me. And I was like two miles down Valley way and I just wanted to get home. So I didn't see anything, but I did see the pictures. So anyway, there are paragliders in the whites. Yeah. Who knew? 
and I think I have to qualify my previous statement about how I hate people on the trail that talk to me. That's not true. That's really not true. I do tend to avoid people, but if you're a listener and you want to come over and say hi, you, you recognize me or Mike, go for it. <laughs> We're not assholes like that. Give me a break. But in general, yeah, I yeah. do avoid conversation. I just like to plug along and go. I'm more I'm, I'm more likely to strike up a conversation with a guy than a girl, I think, just because I... I've always read online, and I've definitely heard it from some from, from some friends. Like, don't don't bother like women on trail because <laughs> I get it. I mean, if I looked huh. at me, I'd be like, this guy's up to no good. I mean, Mindy and Bethlehem have t- told that story, but um, most of the time, I'm just my my move is just like, hi, how you doing? And yeah. I'll, I'll say something about like, awesome day, you know, amazing weather here. Or, Can you believe there's no wind? That was my move. Hey, that was my move. Safe um, trails last week. Have a safe yeah. hike. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Well, speaking of safe, not being safe, you have a, um, so actually a listener, Chris Mashburn sent this over, but Mashburn, yeah. a woman, woman, um, rescued from a privy. So explain oh, this. Beautiful. Uh, well, apparently this is, uh, somebody that dropped her phone into the, uh, the, I guess they call it the vault of the privy where all the feces and urine would be. And, uh, she disassembled the toilet seat and used her dog leashes to try to retrieve the phone. And eventually, uh, she tried to tie herself off too as she like strained and reached into this porta potty. And unfortunately, she fell in headfirst and had to be rescued by search and rescue. So she called nine one one and uh, <laughs> the fire department and fire rescue responded. I this is worth talking at the top because this is hilarious. <laughs> it's like. Who does that? What a nightmare. <laughs> Can I you do, imagine? I do think about that. Like, um, <laughs> not so much a privy, but I, I always think about when I go into a porta potty, I'm always like on high alert to make sure that I don't drop my phone in that like blue liquid of nastiness. Yeah. Oh, it's so nasty. But on a on a positive note, there's this brand new app that New York is using that I thought I might mention. I don't know if anything like this exists here, but Warren County in New York is using this brand new app. And what you can do is just um, list the trail name, observation, where you saw it, the date, the time, mile marker, things like that, if you see problems on trails. And then um, I'm not sure who, who responds to this, but trail stewards apparently go out and fix it up. So isn't that cool? It's that an app. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So we have something similar in our town, which is called like Click It Ticket. Uh-huh. And it's like you can you can say like, okay, there's like a pothole that you need to fix. So this is like the same deal. I suppose so. I don't know if anything like this exists up in the whites, but this might be some adventure for uh, AMC or the Forest Service to look into um i don't know yeah. if if you're a listener and you know about this let us know and we can follow up because it's pretty cool cool idea yeah yeah that would be awesome so you can just attach a photo you just put the location and all that fun stuff so yeah that's cool yeah super cool all right um one thing i put here in the notes stomp um backpacker magazine put out an article Asking hikers to confess their leave no trace um, violations or admit your worst outdoor <laughs> sins. Yeah. 
So they get a couple of examples here. Like one guy dropped a case of beer into a creek. And um, huh. when they woke up, they, they put all the empties on the on the creek bed. And then it rained. And then all the beer cans like washed away down the down the the river and they were like we we couldn't find them so we like we like basically dumped a 12 pack of empty cans in 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 the wilderness another person like let their dog off leash and it attacked a deer <laughs> um some other guy poured like his white gas into the grand canyon that's that's a dick move huh um oh these are funny. somebody killed yeah somebody killed a skunk uh, that, how do you then, do that with a, like a gun maybe or something or I don't know. I'll link the. I'll link the um, the article here. Uh-huh. So I don't know what's going on. And then I obviously the I pooped one's a big on the one. trail. Like yeah, 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 pooping on the trail. But I don't know why the hell you would ever poop on the trail. And then well, the last one is well. Hold on a minute. Yeah. Oh, this, is, this is important because the picture shows somebody sort of off trail in the woods. So did they mean literally on on the trail or next to the trail? And that being said, I do have a comment about that. Like, come on, people, bury the whole, bury your stuff, dig this six inches and bury it. I'm just finding so much refuse and feces everywhere. It's it's just gross. Come on. Um, stomp. <laughs> I have a confession. <laughs> is this is this a rendition of you on this article? Well, I no no. I understand the whole like don't poop on the trail, but you know. And this, I'll just give you a hypothetical. Mm-hmm. So suppose you're a trail runner and you decide that you're going to hike out to Bond Cliff and bang out the first six miles. You're going to trail run, and then you're going to power hike up to Bond Cliff. Yeah, and you know you might have had a large Dunkin' Donuts iced coffee. On, you know, before you got out there and then you get to Bond Cliff, you're by yourself. And then all of a sudden you get these insane stomach cramps on the way like from Bond Cliff to Mount Bond. Yeah. And you have like no options on where to go. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. yeah. So um, I it, it becomes I difficult. <laughs> Thank you. So what's your penance, and of co- actually, according to this article? I don't know. Dear, I'm sorry. Your penance. Trail dumps are a pretty big no-no, so we prescribe a volunteer day at your local trail. There you go. <laughs> Sign up, reflect on how much you appreciate a sweet-smelling footpath, and relieve yourself responsibly from here on out, Michael. All right. I'll, I'll do my best. I'll do my best. Do you know I have a friend of mine who's like, he's a good friend of mine from high school, and um, him and his him and his wife, like when they were dating... I think they were hiking out. Oh, God, I hope he doesn't listen to this. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> when they were dating, they were like, they're not hikers. They're not outdoorsy. But this is funny. they were. This reminds me of something. They were hiking out to, it was either Ripley Falls or Arethusa. I don't know which one. But they like carved their names into, the, into a tree. Like yeah. their initials, you know, whatever plus whatever. And they like, they go back like every year or every once in a while to like, go look at the tree or whatever. And then they'll post it on social media. <laughs> and I'm always like, I'm always like, I want to tell my buddy like, dude, take that down. Some, some leave no trace person is going to go after you. Uh, that's too funny. Yeah. So anyway. uh, that, do you just talking you about that thing oh, for my sins? I, people know yeah. I love to camp above tree line, but I also have made like, 
several probably illegal uh, fire pits, you know, so please forgive me. Father, son, house of Gucci. Uh, yeah, that's my big flaw, so sorry. <clears throat> Editing note, use the shame drop right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So anyway, I'll put that I'll put that article in the, the show notes, and then maybe that'll be a good Instagram story for you, Stomp. Yeah. Confess your sins. And this leads right into this next little story about you outing your friend, because I was watching, we're watching the Johnny Depp trial. We're addicted, dude. If you love, like, the, uh, the whole reality show type of thing, I think this is the penultimate experience. We're on day nine. We're watching this, like, as much as we can. It's been fascinating. I'm sure the rest of the world is, too, but uh, have you seen any of the trial? With Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, um, it's crazy. I have not. It's really. I have crazy. not. Um, it's a yeah. It's a simple defamation suit, but they're destroying each other on the stand and with witnesses and this and that. They're absolutely just. I mean, these two people are just crazy. And I'm surprised Johnny Depp's still alive with all the drugs he's taken. It's just unbelievable. Yeah, and I think. You know, substance abuse for sure with Johnny Depp. But my understanding is is that the the ex wife, what's her name, Amber Heard. Yeah. Um, and I got listeners. If you have, everybody should do a little bit of research, particularly on you know personality disorders, particularly cluster B personality disorders because yeah. I think so you know the most common one is narcissism but my understanding is is that Amber Heard has um, histrionic and borderline personality so the histrionic is really like excessive attention seeking uh, to the detriment of your own sort of like you can't control it yeah and you do see this a lot on like acting out on social media uh, borderline personality and narcissism typically that is you know you're looking for other humans to provide you with fuel for your you know, whatever crazy sort of, you know, um, I guess adoration or, um, you know, feedback that you get from them, your view, it's typically positive, but most of the time it's toxic. So I think that's what I picked up on Johnny Depp and um, Amber Heard's trial, but I haven't watched much of it. But it's fascinating to, to, to see these people. Most of the time they're dysfunctional. And they're, the interesting thing about this case is that you've got people with resources that have these personality disorders. Oh sure, absolutely. It it sounds like they're talking about everybody in Hollywood at this point. <laughs> to be honest with you, uh, but since you mentioned that, check out uh, Day Nine because there's a, a psychologist that's bulletproof, absolutely bulletproof. And Amber Heard's attorneys cannot make a dent, and she was brilliant talking about borderline and the histrionic aspects. It's fascinating. Uh, so yeah. anyway, it's fun to talk about. Yeah, no, and I, honestly, um, I'm sort of embarrassed to admit this, but like the reason why I'm not focusing on Johnny Depp and um, and his whole situation is that like I have my attention at this point is mostly focused on Alec Baldwin and Hilaria Baldwin situation. So yeah, you know, I only have time for so much, and that one is like That's messed up. Too. She, he's he's nuts and she's insane, and like if you want to go down a rabbit hole with. You know, fake pregnancies and fake bounce backs and surrogates that are being used secretly, and Alex Alec Baldwin, and there's all kinds of substance abuse issues going on there, and he killed the lady. It's just crazy. Yeah, I mean, this is absolutely not hiking related, but Slasher has the finger on the pulse, people. Right? Am I right? We do, we do, <laughs> we do like the pop, uh, the pop. Uh, 
culture stuff. Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. moving on, uh, getting our psychology hats off and moving on to um, not getting killed by wild animal a qu- stomp. A quick follow-up. Yeah, we talked about what happens when you accidentally cross paths with an animal, but we don't really need to talk about these because they don't translate well for audio, but we'll provide you links of people that are, are approaching moose and getting stomped by them or you know, walking up to bison and getting chased and stomped by them. So it's fun stuff. We'll add the links and you can check them out. But uh, people, I mean, it's best not to bother uh, the wildlife <laughs> if you have half a cell in your brain. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I haven't had much interaction with wild animals on the trail. I did see a moose last year, but I, I just, I don't get these people that um, immediately want to go up close to animals. Yeah, yeah, it's very strange. It's just, it's just ignorance. You know, they think it's yeah. a cat or something. Um, yeah, although exactly. that could be dangerous as well, I suppose. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Definitely. So, yeah. Anyway, we'll we'll add the links. And uh, hey, dude, I just watched, um, this is worth mentioning, I I watched Infinite Storm in the comfort of the uh, Woodpecker studio here, and it was sort of cool because, you know, my wife hadn't seen it, and I wanted to see it again, so we put it on the the computer monitor, and I had the, the, you know, the studio quality monitors that I use for the, the recording and stuff like that, blasting this movie. It was like we were sitting in the theater with a smaller screen, obviously, but... I gotta say, the second time through that movie, I absolutely loved it. I enjoyed it. Uh, it was very emotional, and my wife enjoyed it. What a weird experience! Because the first time, I think I went into it like maybe just a little too pre-biased, but the second time was just a great experience. So, anyway, I don't know. Yeah, I'm gonna check it out this week. And my wife is. Uh, yeah, we just got back from full. My wife's traveling again, so. Um, she's got like a girls' weekend, so I'm gonna be solo. So I'm oh, gonna nice. um, I'm gonna watch it uh, probably on like Friday night or something. Yeah, awesome, cool. So anyway, back to cats, I guess, right? Yeah. So we had, um, I think you would put a note in that you took off, but like we were gonna talk about um, one thing that I saw an article about a cat that is um, gonna be hiking the Adirondacks. So. <laughs> This cat usually they don't get press until after they do shit. Yeah, this cat's getting like press before it even does anything. So, Why? Um, I guess the owner has it has a plan to like hike all the forty six four thousand footers in the Adirondacks. Huh? It's um, not the same people that did the New Hampshire forty eight, right? I don't think so. Hmm. Ah, I don't think so. Yeah, you've started a um, trend. Yeah, yeah, and I don't get that. I don't understand. Matter of fact, we gotta get we gotta get Mel and Flocky on here. But like, I don't understand. Like, I think the cats get carried, so it's not so much like them hiking. They don't get credit for hiking. They just get credit for not being assholes like normal cats. This cat's a good looking cat, though. It's like a different looking cat. It's like hairy. I don't know. Do so you know what kind of cat it is? Fake news. I unfortunately, let me just see if I can pull up the picture here quickly. But I do not. Um know what the cat looks like here here i go uh it's loading it's loading yeah it takes a minute what the heck see i have my no it's not loading sorry people oh it's a it's It's like video go ahead you keep on talking it's coming 
Yeah, it's like a um, I don't know what these cats are called. It's like a tail. I call it a Taylor Swift cat. It's like got the the pushed in face. Like Taylor Swift had those cats, Ooh, right? And right. they were like they look fancy like looking cats. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it looks pretty cool. So anyway, it's well. It's, best I guess she says that the cat's been on like at least a hundred hikes. So, but it's it's got its eyes set on the Adirondack Forty Sixers. So, wow. Look out, New York. That is great. Um, but it made me think of like I was trying to think, Stomp. If you could think of like famous animals that hike, maybe not dogs, but like other animals. Like I know, like Mel and Flocky. Like, because is it Floki or Flocky? I don't Floki. even know how you pronounce it. If she's referring to like the uh, the Viking lore, it's Floki. He was okay. a legendary uh, character in the Viking uh, times. Yeah. And I know um, my friend on um, Facebook, Bree, she hikes with her son, and they take a rabbit. And I think the rabbit's name is Bunny, mm -hmm. which is pretty original. But I know that they're shipping away at the 4,000-footers with Bunny. Yeah. And then I've talked about Oscar the Basset Hound. Yeah. And then we've also talked about Atticus of the following Atticus book fame. And then there's a ton of like pretty well-known dogs. Like I know, do you, what, what dogs are fan? Like I know, like um, I met Mecca is a dog that passed away a couple, like a year or two ago. I met Mecca on trail and then, I don't know, there's a bunch of other famous dogs, I think. Mm -hmm. um, I think it would be Timmy and Lassie, right? That's another famous one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Timmy and Lassie. May they rest in peace. <laughs> right. That's my go-to, Timmy and Lassie. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. But, so anyway, if there's any um, <laughs> any other famous animals that are not dogs, let us know. And we'll, we'll give them a shout out. Uh, Atticus is a good one, though. I haven't seen anything from yeah. that author. Is he still writing? I don't think, I don't know if he's writing. I don't think he's in this area anymore. Mm -hmm. I think that he may be somewhere else. Hmm. I don't know where. Yeah, last I knew, he was in the Jackson area, uh, New Hampshire, but, huh. Yeah, um, I'm not sure. Hey. Okay, so you ready for the show opener? Yeah, let's do it. Oh, no, do we do we do coffee and sponsor first? Sure, sounds good. Or do we the show opener? We have okay. um, one, one donation on the coffee platform. It's from Sarah without an H, and uh, she donated three coffees. So thank you very much, Sarah. And uh, I'll just improv this. Thank you so much, Reckless Brewing, for uh, sponsoring us. And um, I was just peeking at... Uh, one of their one of their posts somebody had posted or maybe it was one of our slasher posts but they had posted hey you know basically I went to Reckless it was fantastic thanks for the recommendation all that stuff so I'm glad that uh, people are uh, you know plugging the podcast and making yourselves heard at Reckless because they're great and uh, we appreciate the support too so right on Awesome. All right. So uh, welcome to episode 56 of the Sounds Like a Search and Rescue podcast. So tonight we are going to visit Mount Adams and um, King Ravine, Castle Ravine. We're going to talk all about the uh, RMC and um, we'll start off with covering a recent hike that I did via airline and then we're going to do a deep dive on all the trails and options for hiking in and around Mount Adams this summer get into a little bit of history there and then later in the show Stomp is going to give us his advice on how to survive bug season in the whites yep, yep. so all this and recent search and rescues um, 
are coming up. Uh, so this was a busy week for rescuers, so we'll break down all the details. I'm Mike. And I'm Stomp. Let's get started. Let's get it started. All right. So recent hike, Stomp, you go first. You were doing something good with Mrs. Stomp, I think. Yeah, yeah. We tried several times to get the timber camp together and, and uh, finally made it this weekend. Um, this this past Sunday, it was cloudy, but then by 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, it broke, and it was just amazing. Um, timber camp is that little spur that is along the Greeley Ponds Trail from uh, Livermore, trailhead south yes from waterville valley so we started in there it's a fairly modest hike it's you know maybe two two and a half miles to get to this spur up a couple thousand feet and uh, you get this view of what they call k1 k2 which is like a half dome that is very rare and unusual for this area it's just an amazing thing and it's like it's almost like it's painted yeah i think that the the rock uh structure would be um iron you know just based upon the colorings of the rock and then from there you can also see the cliffs of Greeley ponds notch or what they call mad river notch and then you get tri pyramids so we had this beautiful time uh we didn't actually make it to the um camp we just stopped at this little dirt mound that is about maybe a quarter mile and it was just awesome just perfect picnic day you know just chilling out and the the sun was warm so it was really sweet yeah it's been good hearing about all these hikes around waterville valley because i honestly like as a and i think i would say like 90 percent of the people that hike are gonna think of like oh livermore that's the trailhead where you just get to you know the, the tri pyramids and like there's yeah. so much more going on there oh, yeah. that i just didn't even realize i had no idea so Super if you cool. were gonna do like a good summer hike like up to you could do, could you do goodridge rock and then timber camp and then back yes without a doubt absolutely Low mile mileage. Um, I think Goodrich is maybe a mile, one point one up to Goodrich from the the spur, um, and then okay. it's like maybe a quarter mile past Goodrich to get to the timber camp. Uh, so those two, yeah, I'm telling you, I, I was joking about it with you guys when Ty was on. Um, you get the remote feel, like where the hell am I? Like the center of Europe or something? It's so different out there. Just you're surrounded by cliffs um, that are very unusual for the area. It's super cool. Yeah, I can't wait to go check it out. And then from backpacking or camping, is there there are a lot of options? Just like uh, legal camping off trail, or do, you, do you not know? You'd have to do you'd have to do legal, you know, two hundred foot off trail. That's plenty of that, obviously. Okay. Um, I think there's a shelter at Greeley Ponds, if I remember correctly. Um, at this particular place at Timber Camp, you could set up a couple tents at the camp itself. I don't know if, there, if there'd be any. Pr- prohibition against that or not when we were walking up we saw people not we we saw the remains of fire uh, you know ashes and whatnot that people had made just recently which is weird one of them was right on trail and p.s just a <laughs> side note there's a hell of a lot of snow up there still <laughs> i couldn't believe it this is i think it's the northern side of um the eastern side of the osceola so you're basically just south of east osceola where you were recently yeah so there was still at least a foot of snow that we were beer booting up to get to this overlook so the snow's still out there you got to be careful you know yeah but that's that's the lesson i've learned is like livermore it's not just for the tri-pyramids there's a lot more going on yeah which is which is awesome so i'm definitely going to check that out yeah and also the scour too the scour overlook is fantastic i mean just you could add those three in and do those big pines 
super, super amped about this location. It's a great, great area. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait to go check it out. It's good stuff. Yeah. Um, all right. So I had mentioned in the beginning of the show, so I was able to, and I've been talking about this on the show for probably like two, three months, and I just haven't... It, it, if I'm going to invest the time to drive up to the northern presidentials, I want to make sure that I do it on a good weather day. I don't want to be like socked in and miss the views. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm kind of past the point of doing a hike just to check off a, a list. I want some views. So yeah. Sunday was like everything lined up perfectly, like it was going to be warm. And then it was a little overcast, but I was still like it was going to be high sailing on the clouds. So I was like, I'll be good to go. So I just got up early. I think I left the house at like five, stopped at Lincoln to Dunkin' Donuts to get some food and a coffee, and then got to Appalachia around like probably quarter, quarter of eight, something like that. So I got out of the trail. There was like about 10 or 15 cars there. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'll see some people. I headed up airline. My philosophy when it comes to Mount Adams is that uh, unless the weather's bad, I'll take any trail up except for Valley Way just because I think so many people just take that trail, so I'll avoid it. Yeah. Interesting. Um, Yeah, so airline. And I knew that – so my friend Jonathan had given me a heads up. He had tried to get up to – gray knob and the ice flows on Lowe's path were so bad and he was by himself that he was and he didn't have crampons I don't think so he he had just turned around and bailed this was a few weeks ago it was a little bit worse but I knew that there was going to be ice on airline but I didn't think it was going to be as bad as it was but it was it was bad um so around 30 I bare booted up until about 3,000 feet there was nothing Mm -hmm. and then 3,000 feet started to see the ice and then by the time I get up to around 3,500 it gets steep and there was like these thick ice flows because it gets no sun on that side yeah Um, true so I swear all I had was crampons I didn't have crampons I had my micro spikes so I was like all right, I'm going to have to stay in the trees so I put the micro spikes on and I'll put a video I have a video of it so I'll put that up on the Instagram Mm -hmm. I think I put a picture up and I was like I'm screwed I need ice climbing equipment but I made it up and then um, pop up above tree line, and then it was like just trace them, you know, not trace amounts of snow, but it was mostly just like a small amount of snow and then ice. So I kept the crampons on all the way up, but just plugged away at airline and then went up to Adams, and I was up there. There was like no wind. Mm-hmm. Perfect. So one other, one of the lady at the, one of the hiker at the junction of airline and Gulfside. And um, we hiked for maybe about a quarter mile. I was talking to her. She's gritting. I don't know her name, but she was she's a badass hiker. And like I immediately was like, I'm not going to be able to keep up with her. So um, I stopped to grab a little bite to eat and right below the summit, let her just hang out on the summit by herself. And then when she started coming down, I hit the summit. I was up there for like 20 minutes, half hour. Yeah. So oh, that's great. It was good. Yeah. And then. um headed down I was like maybe I'll do Madison then I was like I want to get home mm-hmm. I want to get home to uh, to do some work before um, before Monday because I, I was on vacation so I had all these work emails so I was like I just want to get home and do the work emails and yeah, get ready for Monday morning so I bailed on Madison but I went down Madison hot okay. sat there for a little while and then that's where I came down and ran into those guys oh cool okay hey how was um, airline I remember when I did it last, there were uh, sections with blowdowns that were pretty, pretty impossible. Have they cleared those up? 
Yeah, they're all cleared. Oh, yeah. There's a couple of um, couple of blowdowns I had to duck under, but everything's cleared. Oh, good. Yeah. It's an awesome trail. Yeah, it is. Super cool. You, like, pop above tree line, and then you're, you're like, right in front of King Ravine, and it's just amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. I got to get up there again. Yeah. Let's dive into some White Mountains history, shall we? I wanted to just do a little bit of a deep dive, so it got me thinking. I was like, let me do some research on the Randolph Mountain Club, and let me talk a little bit about like some of the other parts of Mount Adams, because I do think that there's a ton of trails there, and there's a ton of... Um, good hikes for you to do in the summer and if you want to want to go for it so i figured i would get into some history and then talk about some of the trails <laughs> so i'm all yeah, so mount adams is all right so it's the second tallest mountain in the whites um the trail system on adams is managed by the randolph mountain club mm-hmm. And the Randolph Mountain Club has a long history. Uh, it's a long and complex story of perseverance, conservation, and and just pure grit to get this trail system going. <laughs> <Can> so, <imagine. laughs> yeah. So I think we talked about this before, but the the early settlers were really focused on opening up Mount Washington and then opening up Crawford Notch. So they really didn't get, there wasn't a lot going on in the northern presidentials. You would have thought like, okay, they made it to Mount Washington, let's keep exploring these other peaks. But there wasn't a lot of exploration going on yeah. um, past Mount Washington. Which makes sense. Absolutely makes sense. Trying to connect the two sides of the state via Crawford. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think it was the the goal for these early settlers was like, let's get a pass through the mountains Let's make sure that we've got some trails up to the biggest peak, and then we'll worry about the northern presidentials later on, which is exactly what happened. So by the 1850s, they had enough sort of established trail systems. They had enough settlement and um, enough tourism demand. I think by that point, they were like, you know, thousands of people a year were going up to Mount Washington um, with tour guides. So they had enough interest. So... By 1850, they um, they started opening up the Northern Presidential. So I'm just taking this right from the RMC history page here that describes the beginning of exploration on the Northern, northern Region. So by 1850, a few hardy walkers sought the peaks of Madison, Adams, and Jefferson. They engaged the services of a mountain guide, notably uh, James Gordon of Gorham. Uh, the Reverend Thomas Star King was among the first adventurers to explore the less traveled ways. The 26-year-old preacher sum- summered in Gorham for 10 years beginning in 1850. Together with Gordon, he ventured onto the northern peaks writing newspaper articles about his experiences, including the, 19, oh, the 1857 ascent of the headwall of the ravine, now known as King's. Wow. Around 1860, Gordon is credited with having made a path to the summit of Madison over which he guided walkers. Gordon's route was probably a string of blazes that he alone could interpret rather than an actual cleared path, and it too was near, nearly impassable by 1869. So, um, super cool. Once this guy Gordon cracked it open with um, with Reverend Starking, 
that's that started them on building all of these paths. So by the late 1800s, many of these well-known paths that we travel today were built um, along the two great northern ravines. So there's King Ravine, named for Reverend Star King, and then there's Castle Ravine. Um, that's really neat. In, yeah, so by, by this time, most of these early trail builders were they were either locals who lived in the area or they were annual visitors tied to the ravine lodge so there was a um a lodge that was in existence from 1877 to 1963 called the ravine house Hmm. and um the founder of the ravine house was this guy named abel watson and his son labon i guess Uh, they converted their farm um and I guess it faced King Ravine on Mount Adams, um, and then it basically they converted it into a summer boarding house, and they expanded it in 1884. And the Ravine House basically became the key sort of launching point for most of the people that were touring the Northern uh, Presidentials from that area. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, they had up to a hundred guests in the the mid 1900s when it was in full effect so they had a bowling alley a tennis court trout fishing swimming pool and they offered obviously hiking so uh it was very active up until about 1960 and then i think it they demolished it by 1963 unfortunately but there is one of those green signs at the location where it um was found but that's basically like that was the tourist destination was that everyone would go to this ravine house and then um, start from there. Mm-hmm. Like most of the whites in the like early 1900s, so these trails were all built, and we'll talk about some of the trails. But you know, there's there's the um, you know ravine, the King Ravine Trail, Great Gully, um, Airline, etc., mm-hmm. Israel Ridge, Castle Ravine. They were all built. In some respects, but um, what happened is, is by the early 1900s, logging came into the northern presidentials, and it was about a 10-year period where the locals and the loggers were sort of in this struggle between keeping the paths clear, and then there was also this quest for timber. Um, So what happened was, is that by... 1910 i guess the amc could only do so much so i think they were more focused on other areas so the randolph mountain club was formed in 1910 it mostly consisted of members of the amc but their focus was on rebuilding all these paths that had been ravaged by the timber industry so they couldn't get through any of these paths because all the logging activity that was going on um and luckily for them, the following year, the Weeks Act, which is what was passed in 1911, mm-hmm. that created the national forest system. And that's when the government started purchasing like these large swaths of land that could, uh, you know, and they, they could protect them and they could manage the logging or they could actually ban logging. So that's when basically the, the Randolph Mountain Club was established in 1910. The Weeks Act happened in 1911. And that's when they could really like get a hold of the logging, get it under control, and then just establish all the trail systems that we we walk on today. Neat. Very cool, right? Yeah, it's, it's incredible. It's, a, it's such an amazing, rugged area. 
Yeah, it is. And then by like the 1950s, they were able to establish a permanent trail crew. And now they maintain this extensive trail system in the northern presidentials. And if you I mean, if you just look at a map, it's like a, it's like a spider web of trails. It's insane how many trails there are. Yeah, that below tree line area gets a little confusing for me. Do they use some of those for cross-country skiing? Because they're, they're so, so numerous. I don't know. I, I don't know. There's a little bit. I think that. There's a little bit of like too many trails uh, that that aren't needed there, I but so I think that it was just probably a function of them like reestablishing some of these trails and like they do have like it makes sense when you look at it because you got Lowe's Path that goes up to um, the Gray Knob Shelter, then you've got um, the Spur Trail that comes up to Crag Camp. Then you've got the Great Gully that goes up on the one side of the ravine. You've got King Ravine that goes up the other, Airline that goes up the side of the ravine. So it, it, it makes sense in some ways, but like the lower sections, I think there's an, they just put cutover trails across all of them. So it just looks like a spider web. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it does. So, yeah. But the Randolph Mountain Club, they also manage, um, so there's two huts. There's um, Gray Knob and Crag Camp. And... Um, there is also the log cabin, which is like a, a lean-to, I think, and the perch, which is also a lean-to. And uh, there is a fee to stay stay in those. If you if you join the Randolph Mountain Club, which you should, um, you get a little bit of a discount on those. Uh, but great great locations to stay overnight. Hmm. And I, I'll include the uh, the links in the show notes. Yeah, you're you're a big fan of those huts. You and Chaga, um, I've not spent time in those huts over there, but they sound really great. And you swear by them. Like you you do your winter uh, adventure every year, don't you? Yeah, I love them. Yeah. I love them. So the there's two there's two huts. There is um, there is Gray Knob, which is a, a staffed hut where the caretakers there in the winter they'll run a they run a stove, but it's not really a stove to like warm things up. It's just to keep the um, the moisture under control so that you don't get like all you know icicles and stuff inside and it's really like it's got a lord of the rings type of vibe to it it's like really great like mm. you know we'll, we'll pass around like shots of bourbon and then you know usually there's like a pretty good crowd and then it's just all it is is just sleeping upstairs on like mats right and then super cool then you just move along and then crag camp is not heated so if you go in the winter like it's cold but you know they have like a cooking board and you can you, know, you warm up your food and hang out and there's all kinds of, you know there's all kinds of games and books and stuff like that to keep you busy up there it's it's, it's awesome hmm, that's awesome that reminds me you can play cards you can play checkers chess whatever you want it's a cooking board like in, it's just like a it's like a stove, but it's just like instead of the stove, they just have a board where you can just cook on your, you can fire up your stove and just cook. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, cool. This reminded me of uh, when I smoked out uh, Carter Notch Hut with my synthetic gloves by putting my gloves. <laughs> when I was a newbie hiker, I put my gloves on the wood stove and I smoked the place out. <laughs> yeah, don't do that. That's your, you, you should have confessed that as your sin. Yeah. Oh, my God. It happened instantaneously. My wife's like, what the hell are you doing? Oh, God. Good stuff. Shame. Put another shame, bro. But um, before we close this out and we get into bugs, the, the, the last thing I will say is that just the trails. I'm, I'm highlighting from east to west the trails that go. There's some trails that will go like along the mountain, but I'm, I'm just highlighting the trails that go up the mountain. All right. So I just talked about airlines. So I'm not going to talk about the the, the 
Valleyway and the other trails that hit Madison. We'll do that on a separate show. But like the the trails that go along King Ravine and Castle Ravine. So you got Airline, which comes out on the eastern side of King Ravine, I guess. Yeah. Um, then you've got the King Ravine Trail. That's what it's called, right? Yeah. Yep. King Ravine Trail, and that where and this is on the t- Airlines on the Terrifying Twenty Five. King Ravine is on the ter- Terrifying Twenty Five, and before you so the king ravine takes you up to the head wall of king ravine which is like this really steep awesome hike um but before you get there there's like these bold this is a boulder field at the bottom of the ravine and you can kind of go through these different boulders and there's a section called the subway which has all these caves and stuff it's really cool mm-hmm. um king ravine is is it's got amazing views and it's like pretty challenging it's not super bad it's not super difficult but it's it's challenging. Like they've got some sketchy sections, and no then, question. yeah, and then there's the on the western side of the ravine wall. So there's two ways to go up the the, the head wall. There's the King Ravine Trail, and then there's the Great Gully Trail. So King Ravine, I would say, is open. Well, there's that That's sort of an open. There's that third French one, Chamin de whatever yeah that's a that's a cutover trail so i didn't count that oh, one okay gotcha. that just connects airline to to um to king ravine but uh, yeah chemin des dame i yes, think that's yes, yes. called um but the great gully trail is a little bit different where it is more of a um it's more of a like a enclosed trail it's not as open as king ravine so they, they both go up the head wall but like i feel like the great gully is more of a like a there's more scrub and stuff on either side of you so you feel like you're on a trail it's more like madison gulf it's like you feel like you're on a trail instead of like king ravine and the great gulf trail you're like it's just you're wide open in huntington you're like wide open there's no there's no trees or scrub near yeah except for the winter i mean that's totally covered in it and it's a very popular ski route um (laughs) alfaro and i yeah went specifically to see if we could uh, get up that trail late winter and uh, when we got there we were like eh no thanks <laughs> immediately no yeah, yes <laughs> eh, nope yeah, yeah exactly yeah. Um, so just heading on to Castle Ravine there's one trail so Lowe's Path will take you up to so that is a, a trail that goes up the mountain that's sort of in between the two ravines so that will take you up to Grey Knob and then you can also ascend to I think it's Adams five or something like that. And then go over to the peak if you want. Hmm. Then as you get over to the, I guess it's like the Western part or where, whatever, I don't know, directionally, I'm sure I'm going to get corrected on this, but you get into Castle Ravine. Castle Ravine is less traveled. And I've been on two of these trails. Um, so there's Israel Ridge, which I've done with my, with my crew from, uh, from Amesbury in the winter. Awesome trail. In the winter, I can't really speak to it in the summer, but that uh, is there a ridge that will take you up to sort of the uh, the perch in that area there. Then you've got the Castle Ravine Trail, which I think breaks away from Israel Ridge and goes up the headwall of Castle Ravine. And then on the other side, where you can either get to Adams or Jefferson, is the Castle Trail, which is probably one of the I personally think it's one of the coolest trails in the whites. It's got these like three like spires which i think are called castles by some people but um great trail and that's also on the terrifying 25 Hmm. so cool and if you want to do a hike that sort of touches on 
this whole area, my recommendation would be if you park on the, I forget what it's called. There's like a flat trail that it's like a walking path before Lowe's. I forget what that's called. I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. But if you park there, that's basically where Castle, um, the Castle Trail ends. And then you start there and then you walk along the the snowmobile path to Lowe's path and then cut over to King Ravine, go up King Ravine, take the Gulf side and then go over to Jefferson and then down the Castle Trail. That will give you a feel for like both of these ravines and it's like a 15 mile hike. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Awesome hike. Yeah. And don't forget your parasail or your paraglider pack. <laughs> That's the fast way down. Yes. Oh, boy. So anyway. All right. So anything else on Mount Adams? Stomp, you, you learn anything new? Oh, learn anything new. Well, just about the hut system and the trails and the history. That's uh, fantastic stuff. Uh, thank you for doing all that research. One of these days, no you drag me out to that freezing gray knob or one of those things. <laughs> yes. Yes. We can share a sleeping bag. It'll be fun. <laughs> Um, oh, <laughs> for Risque. one of us anyway, I don't know. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, all right. So that was segment one. Segment two, uh, Stomp, you, you're on the hook to teach us how to deal with, um, bugs. Slasher's hiking topic of the week. Mm-hmm. It's that time of year. The bugs are coming out and, uh, I sort of dread it. From what I hear, I think the ticks have been out for two or three weeks now. Is that correct? I've heard dog stories. Like, they're just all over the dogs already. My wife told me that her friend's dog had a bunch on him the other day. But uh, I thought it might be fun to, to talk about some of the bugs. But more so to talk about the preventative measures. Um, so I'll just zip through uh, a few of the things that we can, can expect to see over the next several weeks here. Obviously, ticks. They're out early to late shoulder seasons uh, throughout the summer and into the fall. And they're known most for Lyme disease, which is uh, pretty nasty. Gnats or noceums are these little teeny weeny winged insects, which essentially come out from mid-May to late June. And um, if there's a, a rainy spring or a really wet winter, uh, you can expect them to be much worse. Um, everybody's favorite, mosquitoes. I love mosquitoes. They're so fun. Uh, they can give you some Nizika or some West Nile virus if you're not careful. The, you know, Looking into these bugs, man, this, check this out. This is really interesting. They come out of, some come out of hibernation while others die. So some lay eggs in the fall, but some actually go into hibernation. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I knew that. I know that, like, you're not, especially with mosquitoes, like, you're not supposed to leave, like, water yeah. around because, like, the babies just, like, sit in the water and then 
emerge as like badass mosquitoes. So yeah. but I didn't know they hibernate. That's crazy. So some of them do. Um, I, I, you know, according to some of the research, 50 degrees seems to be the turn on and turn off point when these will activate and then, you know, die off. And we all know that by the first frost, that's typically the end of the season, but you're looking at a, a significant uh, change in their activity when it's about 50-ish degrees. So right now we're, we're hitting 50s and 60s up here in Thornton. So I have not seen a mosquito yet, but they're coming. Um, you know, generally it's early May for the White Mountain region. And um, when you're hiking, you're going to see mosquitoes heavily in wet areas, bogs, you know, lakes, ponds, that type of thing, or just wet trails in general. So uh, spiders, I, you know, I added this. I know none of us really come across spiders too often unless you're looking for them or, or you're bushwhacking, but I thought it's sort of interesting. There are 39 species in New Hampshire, and three of them are poisonous. Apparently, there are black widows, uh, brown recluses, and broad-faced sack spiders in the state. Um, so, yeah, um, I think you'll find a spider if you're intentionally putting your hand under a log or reaching between boulders or something like that. So if you're going to do that type of thing, you might want to put on some gloves, some gauntlet gloves or whatever. Um, I Go ahead. I feel like spiders are most dangerous when you're sleeping. Oh, like backpacking? Like if or anywhere, even in your even in your own bed. Like oh, I, I one course. time I had like a I had this like growth on my my um my head. Oh, it bit you on my like forehead, and I well, <laughs> so it's it's sort of become legend in my house. Is like I I got this bump on my forehead, and I was like, this is like something serious i need to go to the doctors and my wife is like you have a zit and i was like no i think that it's a spider bite and i think that the spiders laid eggs inside of my forehead and that the eggs are growing in there and then they're gonna come out and i'm gonna birth like spiders from this goiter that was on my forehead (laughs) so my wife was just like no you're an idiot it's a zit so (laughs) then i went to the yeah so I was like, no, I think I have a spider bite and it's laid its larva inside of me or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, or I was, like alien. And I was like convinced with it. So I immediately went to the, the emergency room. Or the, no, I went to my doctor. And my wife is just like, you're such an idiot. You're like paranoid. So I get to the doctors and uh, he's like, yeah, it's probably just a little bit of oil buildup. And I was like, you sure it can't be a spider that like bit me and laid its eggs? And he's like, no, it's just like an oil buildup. So then I had to go home and, and tell my wife, I was like, it's not a zit, it's an oil buildup. <laughs> and she's just like, you're an idiot. Oh, man. Did she pop it for you? A sign of true love. I don't know. No, no, she didn't pop it. She probably would now. She's into those pimple popper videos. But um, that story comes up like at least every once every six months, that story comes up at dinner. Wow. Maybe you got bit by the official New Hampshire state spider. Did you know that New Hampshire had a state spider? I had no idea. What is it? Uh, Apparently, back in 2021, Governor Sununu, he's got nothing better to do than to find out what the uh, state spider is. He, He named a spider as the state spider, and the name of the spider is called a daring jumping spider, which is probably your type of spider, man. You love daring jumping spiders. 
especially when you're sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> and this thing is nasty. As long as it doesn't lay an egg in my head. Yeah, right. <laughs> it looks like it looks like Lord of the Rings, like Shelob, you know, black with these orange dots on the the, the rear of the body, furry yeah, black yeah. legs, nasty, right? So anyway, they're here, people. So if you're gonna go digging in holes and stuff, put some gloves on, or you might uh, end up in trouble. Uh, <laughs> no, of course there's bees and hornets. Um, I think they're they're more or less avoidable. You know, when I've hiked, say Welch Dickey, there's this one notorious spot that yearly comes back, or most of us may know. Uh, the Summit Cairn on Mount Eisenhower, like murder hornets. I, I'm, I'm calling them that. They're not those damn things, but they're huge and they're crazy. So you just have to watch out for certain locations, and generally people know where they are uh, or you're going to find out really quick. Uh, the more concerning thing is if you step on a nest in the ground, and I think that will happen more if you're bushwhacking. And, uh, you know, Daniel Maple, who is uh, one of my fondest hikers, I love hiking with her. She's fantastic. Uh, we did the captain once, and she stepped on a ground nest, and they chased her for fifty yards. Man, it was just the craziest thing. Uh, she was at, she gets stung uh, a couple times. Yep, and thankfully sure. she wasn't allergic, which is something we'll talk about. You know, how do you prevent uh, you know bites? Uh, you know the the responses to certain bites. But dude, think of this: we're going uphill towards the captain it's one of the the steepest densest regions in the world you're in the middle of nowhere you're like there's nothing around anywhere absolutely absolutely nothing and um she triggers a nest and she's running uphill over you know timber and blowdowns and everything else and uh it was just a bad, bad scene for several minutes there. But, uh, and all of us, you know, the rest of us were just looking on helplessly, like, what the hell can we do? Nothing, pretty much. Uh, so she's, she's a trooper, though. She did fine. And, um, yeah, so it's a possibility if you're bushwhacking. You know, ever since that time, I always watch my footing. Like, it left a stain, like PTSD stain on my mind when that happened. Like, oh boy. I do not like bees and hornets. Oof. Yeah, we actually had that happen to us with the kids. So I was I was um, at the camp up in Maine. We have a, um, it's like we're on a pond. It's not a big pond. It's probably you know, like a mile and a half around the pond. Yeah, and the backside of the pond is the. Um, I forget the name of the trip. It's, it's a railroad. It's the uh, Mountain Division, Mountain Division Railroad. Oh, Tenth Mountain? So uh, I think it's just called Mountain Division. I don't know. There's, there's like a, they've converted into a walking trail in Freiburg, but our section is like back. It's in Brownfield, so it's a little bit farther up. But anyway, so the backside, the kids walk on railroad tracks. So it's legitimately railroad tracks. And a lot of times the kids will look for like old railroad spikes and stuff like gotcha. that. Cause we'll pick them Lots up. Lots of spiders then, under those. You know, <laughs> everybody, Oh, snakes, spiders, everything. But I had never really considered like, you know, and I'd seen that movie like my girl and it's always like a joke. Like, Oh yeah. Like what's the odds of someone getting killed by like a bee, bee stings or whatever. And, but we were walking. So I had my, three daughters and then i had my um i call them nieces and nephews but they're really like the kids cousins but there's like six or seven kids with us and and just me and we're walking on the mountain division trail and then one of the kids was up ahead and sure enough like i look at it was my um it was one of the cousins 
and she's like screaming towards me. Like she's a little kid. She's probably like eight or nine years old and she's like hysterically screaming. Yeah. And she had stepped on a ground nest. And all of a sudden, like one of the other kids, one of my kids, I think, starts running towards me and screaming. And then all of a sudden, all the kids start screaming. And I was way behind them. I was like, what the hell is going on here? And then that's when I went up there and then I got stung. And I was just like, this is crazy. Like, it was like unbelievable how quickly you just step on a nest. You don't even realize it. And then they start swarming you. Yeah. Oh, totally. It's crazy. They're vicious. Yeah. So there's not much you can do about it. You just need to be aware that like if if um, if you see these bees start coming, you got to run as fast as you can because I think the whole deal is like get the hell out of their territory as best you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I apologize. Uh, you said the word snake, and um, I did not consider snakes, and I do not know why, but what I will suggest people do is go to the Fishing Game website, and uh, they have a list of all the snakes in the state, and what you can expect, uh, you know, there's a couple. There's like a timber rattlesnake, eastern milk snake. I mean, there are snakes around, and, and I believe one or two of them are poisonous, but I did not prepare for that because I wanted to get to uh, what you can do for, like, you know, chemical repellent and stuff like that. So it's sort of out of our scope. Uh, let's see. Awesome. So <clears throat> moving on, chemical repellents. We all know DEET, D-E-E-T. I think, you know, my impression is looking at the um, the info out there that this is sort of old school now. Be, I don't know. It's a neurotoxin. So the whole idea of spraying yourself continuously with this stuff is not very great. Consumer Reports did a safety study. And, you know, essentially they say it is safe for the most part. And I think most of the issues happen when there's like a, a gross uh, exposure to the chemical but essentially the neurotoxin will kill mosquitoes and whatever else um i think deet is being replaced by some newer less toxic uh substances and um one of them which you may have heard about is permethrin now the thing with permethrin it's really neat instead of doing like a like a daily spray for a trip what you're doing is soaking your clothing um with you know you you add this material to your wash and your clothing will be protected for say three to four weeks some um treatments actually last up to seven weeks um there's this insect shield for instance which can last seven weeks so that's pretty cool um if you're like me and you never wash your clothes you're looking at all summer which is fantastic uh do you use this stuff I'm joking about no, the clothes, okay? Maybe to a point. Yeah. <laughs> every year I'm like, and I have this stuff in my shed, and it's probably no good now because it's gone through the whole winter, but I, every year I'm like, I'm going to do the, I'm going to treat my clothes. And I did do it one year, <laughs> but um, I have a different system. I just I just avoid grass completely. I walk on rocks as much as I can. <laughs> yeah, true. And yeah, I mean. I well, mean, you laugh, but like I literally, like I all I do is I focus on walking on, on rocks and um, jump from boulder to boulder when I can, and I feel like that's like been my system to avoid ticks. Yeah. Well, I wanted to talk about that too briefly. Um, ticks love the grass and the open canopy, so if you get that combination, you're in trouble. I mean, just from bushwhacking, um, that's what I've noticed over the years. But um, nonetheless, permethrin is out there for you. Um, now, here's a new one, which I just discovered last season. It's called picaridin. And it is 
it, I guess it has an effect like uh, black pepper on insects. So it typically lasts eight to 14 hours. It's, you know, I have a spray bottle of it. So I'll just spray it on heavy on my boots and um, my legs just to, to prevent ticks from getting on my, my body. And uh, that stuff is apparently non-toxic from what I understand. So permethrin and picaridin. Um, I can say that the picaridin worked pretty well last year. Um, so who knows? And I, I know other people that have actually moved on from the permethrin to this new um, you know, repellent. Oh, um, have, awesome. Yeah, have you heard of that, picaridin? Yeah, no, I've heard of it, and um, I've heard of some of these, like, natural, um, these natural, like, plant-based repellents. I mean, I'm a little bit skeptical. I mean, maybe I'm just old school, but I always feel like I, I if it's not, like, dangerous to your health, then, like, how much damage is it going to do to the bugs? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Um, so. so, yeah, just a few others. There's, you know, the nat- in terms of like the, the homeopathic or the, the real natural stuff, you have lemon eucalyptus, which may last six hours. It's all natural, plant-based. Um, there is this stuff called Naturepel, but I believe that's a, a variation of permethrin or uh, actually picaridin, I'm sorry. So, let's see, neem oil, I, I, I ran across this stuff. I wouldn't even bother with this stuff from what I read. Um, it's a pesticide. You're going to find it in your food. I think it's the byproduct of the pesticides that they use in our foods and things like that, but they actually do sell it for uh, you know anti-bugs and anti-everything else as a, as a repellent. So uh, we'll s- give a link for that. And then here we go. We're moving on to what? Do you have a comment on that? I do. Yeah, go for I it. do. I just want to warn people um if you're if you're not comfortable with the chemical options for getting rid of bugs, you do need to be very careful if you start mentioning like what are the natural options for bug repellent, you may find yourself attracting what we call the multi-level marketing huns <laughs> who will try to suck you into a pyramid scheme with essential oils to to save you from bugs. So you need to be very careful about that because next thing you know, you'll be selling knives door to door and then also selling essential oils. <laughs> and we don't want you to get fall. You don't want, you don't want to get fall, you know, fall into that trap. Yeah. Yeah. Much like the, uh, non chemical repellents that you can download onto your phone, Mike, apparently <laughs> this is funny. So there are sonic repellents, which you can download as an app onto your cell phones and, the the majority of the reviews have said that it's BS. So don't bother downloading the sound frequency that's going to keep the mosquitoes away. That's a waste of money. Uh, unless somebody can show me some research, but I did not find any. Isn't that funny? There's a million of yeah. them, too, in the App Store. Uh, yeah, I don't... Um, uh, yeah, look... Uh, Look, I think uh, for me, at the end of the day, if you really want to get, if you want to worry about, spray yourself with DEET, treat your your clothes with permethrin, and then for me, the biggest, the best way for you to avoid bugs in the whites in May and June when it gets really bad is you go high. All right, yeah. once you get above what what is it third thirty five hundred feet of elevation, three thousand feet of elevation, once you get above that then the bugs all go away. Yeah. You know, except for those ones that that float around the shit. But they don't they don't care about you. They care about the, the poop on the trail. Right. Um 
or the dead animals or whatever it is. But one, if you get above tree line, that's why the northern presidentials are perfect to hit. Like from late May until like June, that's where I'm going is above tree line because I don't have to deal with the bugs when I get up there. Yeah. Yeah, last last on this list is Thermacell. They do make a product that apparently works pretty well. It's uh, it's a handheld device that has a cartridge that releases butane. So the the gas or the smell of that is noxious to the mosquitoes, so that will keep them away. So there you go, people. Some repellent ideas for this season coming up, which I think is going to be a bad one because it is wet and it is still snowing and it's going to be nasty. So, hey. Yeah. Now, how about clothing? So you can obviously wear uh, the head nets for mosquitoes. Wide brim hats are cool. That'll, that'll keep some of the gnats and the flies away. Um, this time of the year, long sleeves on your arms. Long pants are handy to keep the bugs from biting you. And in particular, when it comes to the ticks, you want to tuck those pants in your socks and get the socks above your pants so that those ticks can roll up and walk onto your leg. And if you're wearing lighter fabrics, light colored fabrics, you're going to be able to see those bugs on your legs and be proactive and flick them off. Um, Pretty cool ideas. Um, Urban myth, do ticks only walk in one direction? I don't know, but you know, maybe they do. I, I find them getting stuck under the a zipper at my knee that removes the leg portion of my pants so I can wear shorts. Isn't that cool? So if that's true, that's another strategy as well. Just, you know, any little uh, fold is going to capture those things. So I don't know. Could be... You know, I've seen people... um, I've seen people using like two-sided tape on their pants as well. Like on the lower portion of it. I've seen that. I, I don't know, like... If it's worth it, but I've definitely, I've seen that. I mean, I do use like, and this is not in, you don't have to worry about this in the spring, but in the the fall or late summer when the deer, the deer flies come out, I do use sticky tape on a hat and that's like saved me in a couple of hikes because I hate those things. Yeah. Mike, you talked about, you talked a little bit about, um, you know, best times to go. So we'll skip over that. Um, Just be aware, ticks love the grass and open canopy. Uh, mosquitoes love heat, but I think if you're above tree line with the breeze, you're good to go. And um, post hike tips: We're not doctors. We're, we play them on TV, but we're not doctors. Um, do a tick check after your hike this time of the year, even if you're doing something on trail, non bushwhack. Do yourself a favor and do a full body check, and uh, look for those little buggers. And um, you know we can post some ideas about how to get ticks off of you and stuff like that but that's really not the focus here so um you know if you ends up end up with a bullseye then you should seek medical attention because that's a classic sign of um a tick bite and potentially lyme disease you know then there's otc medications like afterbite that you can rub on your bites and antihistamines cortisone creams aloe calamine things like that so Hope that's helpful and uh, good luck. <laughs> I'll see you in uh, late June <laughs> when they all go away for the most part. Hey, hey, Stomp. Yeah. Uh, I got one other thing sure. here. So, again, so my, I, 
I've got a very, mine is very short again, like walk on rocks to avoid ticks, go above tree line to avoid bugs. And then for me is the one other thing that you want to keep an eye out for is you always, you got hiking friends, you know, you get your hiking buddy to, when you're in your group, talk to people and be like, you know, try to identify the person that always says like, oh my God, I can't believe mosquitoes are so attracted to me. Oh, that's if you right. can find, there are certain people and I don't know what it is, whether they don't wear deodorant or they like, they eat an Italian sub the night before a hike or I don't know what it is, but there's certain people that attract mosquitoes. You could get in trouble. And with if this you one. can find one, I mean, if you can find one of those people, you need to go hiking with them and just sort of tell them like, look, we'll go hiking together, but I need you to stay 20 feet behind me. Or you just say like, look, you lead the way and I'll, I'll stay behind you by 20 feet. I'm, it's the same theory of like taking a slow hiker in a, in a beer infested hiking area. You know what we should do? This this is probably opening a can of worms for somebody, but it, his name is Andy Cannon. Sounds like the perfect research for Andy. <laughs> it is. It is. You know what sucks, though, is I think I'm one of those people that attracts bugs. So, <laughs> unfortunately. So, I, I mean, it's good for if you want to hike with somebody, like hike with me because they'll all come to but me. But that's funny because I've hiked with people, too, that have said, oh, they never bother me. Or somebody has yeah, said to me. Don't they, avoid those people. Yeah. Don't go near those people. <laughs> Because they, they, they're they not bothering them, they're bothering you. Wow. That's like, see, there's so much research to be done in the hiking realm. It's funny. I think I read <laughs> that there is something to do with blood type around, like, if you have a certain blood type, I'll have to do, I'm going to do some research and put that in the show notes. If you have a certain blood type, like mosquitoes are more apt to, like, be attracted to you, I think. Yeah. Interesting. Well, yeah, let's, let's follow up on that because it is curious. Some people seem yeah. immune, but anyhow. Exactly. All right. Cool. All right. So on to recent search and rescue news. We got some stuff going on in the White Stomp. It's crazy right yeah, now. Yeah, I think we're just at the cusp of the crazy explosion of activity. Yeah, but um, we'll stay out of the Whites, and we're going to go back to Florida. By the way, dude, that that show last week, I was like brutal being stuck in the closet. Oh, <laughs> That was so much fun for Andy and I, though, <laughs> watching you oh sweaty and oh, you know just, just diminishing over time, <laughs> covered in sweat. I mean, there was so much going on that week. Like I was like, I had the, um, you're not gonna like this, but I had like a um, a booster shot for COVID, so I was dying. Like the, it kicked my ass. Oh, um, that and that's a new yeah. Angle. And then I was like covered in sweat. Yeah, so it's just a. It was just crazy. But anyway, so first story we have here is in Florida. So a woman who vanished in an 11,000-acre wetlands preserve was found hours later stuck in the marsh after rescue was waded through thigh-deep mud and heavy vegetation. How did she not get eaten by, like, snakes or alligators? Well, this is, I'm wondering if we're, like, responsible for this with the uh, the Cheswick talk and your recent talk about Florida and stuff. Like, wow. Yeah, what are the details here? How did it happen? Yeah, so, I mean, I guess April 22nd, she was in Estero Bay Aquatic Preserve, which is near Fort Myers, okay. so it's, she's not that far out of civilization. Gotcha. Um, but apparently they, they located her. Um, she was visiting the site with her husband when she went missing. So this tells me, so, <laughs> dude, dude, if you're hiking with your wife, like, these, this can never, the husband got tired and came out of the preserve. His wife wanted to keep walking a, a while longer. Oh, boy. And that's when she became lost. Like, dude. That's bad. 
Yeah. You cannot do that. Like you, you feel your husband duties. You cannot let your wife get lost in a swamp in Florida. Like that's just somebody needs to check to see when the last time he took out. If he just took out life insurance on this lady, like that's an issue. <laughs> this is the red flag. Third shame of the show. Yes. Yeah. This is not good. Is but anyway, record. so she was. Yeah, thigh thigh deep mud and heavy vegetation, and she was flown from the scene to a hospital. So that dude is not going to have a good time. No kidding. Yeah, that is wild. Not good at all. Oh well. Well, I'm glad she's okay. Um, Yep, yep, she's okay. Florida sucks for hiking. Florida, can I tell you? Like, Florida is a state that. I guess that like north of Orlando, there's stuff in the middle. Like my parents live in this place called the Villages, which is like this huge. But for the most of Florida, at least on the East Coast where I go, like Treasure Coast, they call it. You're literally like everything is going on within five miles of the ocean. And then once you get past. First of all, like all the rich people are inside the railroad tracks. Yeah. They call it the juice train because they, they just like pour all the um, oranges in this train. And then once you get past the juice train, it's like all this like like run down houses and crazy stuff. But like once you get five miles inland, yeah. it's literally just like mangrove area, like um, and then open fields and stuff. It's just in swamps. Yeah. It's just a weird state, dude. I think this is worth digging into a just a, a hair more. Um, it's, yeah. it's a multi agency response. Thigh deep mud. You mentioned that. She was awakened. Yeah. Ba ba ba. She was in the deepest, marshiest part. At one point, they were they were the deputies were in waist deep mud. Their boots were getting stuck in the sludge, and they. This is interesting. They got her out at one thirty a.m. by helicopter. Holy moly! How, do, how, how does that happen? Wow, that's scary stuff, man. I don't know. Anyway. I don't know. The husband was either like purposely trying to get her killed or he must have been freaking out, like feeling so bad. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, what you got yeah. what you got beyond that? Anything else uh national? Uh Rangers rescue hiker with head injury from Adirondack Mountaintop. Um so fifty seven year old hiker from Cheryl sustained a head injury last week while summiting um Rondacks Mountain near Old Forge. Mm-hmm. Um so they had seven Department of Environmental Conservation Forest Rangers responding to the scene along with emergency medical tech. Um, and they lowered the injured injured man by rope down steep slopes to safety. Uh, Mercy Flight transported the man to a hospital. Um, and that this was one of several rescues by um, the Department of Environmental Conservation. Um, hmm. So they said... Is another so this is another one on on the afternoon of April thirteenth. They had two fishermen get lost in the state forest when their GPS took them down an abandoned road when they became stranded and unable to turn around. So two rangers had to go rescue them. Hmm. They had another situation where a fire was caused by illegal debris, and um, well, busy. I guess the the homeowner the, the, this was a homeowner situation, so I guess it's not really hiking. So just sounds like a lot of reports around um, different like fires and stuff like that going on. But the main story is this person, the fifty seven year old hiker, getting pulled off the trail. But it's right. it's interesting. Like I feel like in the Adirondacks, like do they have volunteer 
set up like you guys or is it more relying on rangers? I'm not really sure, but I'm looking at the picture that they have there and everybody's there's one ranger and he's he's decked out in his his uniform and everybody else is like in in cotton. I'm like, "Hmm, that's that's weird." I don't know. Yeah. I really don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah. All right. Well, the the next one is um, national story. So a hiker was found dead in mid-April on the trail that summits Mount Whitney in the eastern Sierra Nevada. I think Mount Whitney is part of the PCT. Um, This is the fourth death on this mountain in the last 12 months. So hardcore. um, yeah, so I guess the sheriff's office got a call on April 18th reporting a dead body just below a section of trail with 99 switchbacks. Um, 99 switchbacks, that's crazy. But due to extreme winds and snowy conditions in the region, search and rescue teams were unable to rescue the body until April 23rd when the weather finally cleared. So they knew for like five or six days. Um, they had made a couple of attempts, but it just was too windy for a helicopter crew to successfully um, get anybody down there, but eventually, I guess they were able to um, to get some rescue members to the location to recover the body. And they said that the sheriff's office said that the deaths most often occur on the mountain in spring or early summer due to falls on snow or ice when the hiker doesn't have or know how to use critical gear like crampons and an ice axe. So yeah. it's imperative that you be prepared, said the uh, the sheriff. So hmm. other than that, there's no additional details. Mm-hmm. Yeah, boy, that's that's crazy. I was going to make a really bad joke, but I I held back because there's something about 99 switchbacks that <laughs> that would do a number yeah. on somebody too. Oh, seriously, <laughs> am I right? By the way, we forgot to do the beer. We forgot to do beer tonight. <laughs> it's never too late. <laughs> uh, I'm drinking a before we go into the White Mountain Search and Rescue. I'm drinking a Santilli, um American IPA, which I think I I drank like two shows ago, and it is a um, I don't know what the what the brewery. This is. might be the fourth shame of the episode. This is definitely a Guinness Book of uh, World Records for shames. Hold on, Night Shift Brewing. <laughs> Night Shift Brewing. They need to do a better marketing job on their cans. What are you drinking? Uh, uh, some fancy wine? I got a little Moat Mountain Bone Shaker, which is a lager, and it's in support of local mountain biking trails. Fresh, yeah. So, yeah, a little moat going on there, and I thank my my beautiful bride for setting me up with that. A little earlier. Thank you, Mrs. Stone. Yes. Thank you, Mrs. Stone. <laughs> um, all right. All right. So this, this now we're going to go local here in New Hampshire. So this is, and they, they, I, I don't know if it's fair to call them hikers, exactly. but two hikers who, who vanished over Easter weekend have been found shot dead in the woods in what police are considering a double murder. So, um, so the bodies of Stephen Reed and Jeshwende Reed were discovered on Thursday evening near their home in Concord, New Hampshire. Um, family members said they hadn't heard from the couple since Monday after they left their apartment in the Alton Woods apartment complex around 2, 2.22 p.m. Yeah. They failed to, to turn up at a family event on Wednesday um, so they started searching the trails, and then the inv- investigators found both of their cars parked in their usual spots in the apartment complex. 
Um, I guess they're avid outdoors people and are known to take frequent walks along the trails near their Concord residence. So this is outside of sort of our area of focus around hiking and stuff like Concord's pretty far south. But, yeah. um, you know, the, the reads, they had no history of domestic violence. You always think like, OK, is this a murder, suicide, husband and wife? Nothing like that. Um, so the autopsies ruled that both deaths were homicides and police are investigating. I've seen a couple of other um articles about this you know if i lived in that area right now i would be nervous as hell to go outside i don't know what the oh, hell's going on down there sure yeah. i've come across some conspiratorial articles and what they do is they sort of focus on their occupations I, apparently this person was the, the male was involved with uh almost like a diplomatic type of service and she was uh, a national from i want to say africa but anyway, yeah, long story yeah. short, who knows? Yeah, it's like conspiracy stuff going on. Oh no, Stomp went down a rabbit hole. Look out! I'm gonna go. I'm going. I'm going straight to Reddit after this. Now <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't help it. I was like, oh, that's that's an interesting twist. Like, ooh, it's such a peculiar. Like, it's very odd. And I do know. I thought I read another article that said that they were doing like a grid search on this. I don't know. Don't quote me on that. But like it. I would assume that they're going to have to do this is going to get a lot of investigative eyes on it because this is very unusual. Like I I can't think of a scenario recently where this has happened. Either they ran into somebody that was up to no good or something else is going on, but this will be very interesting to watch. Yeah. We will keep you posted. All right. Keep me posted. I'm going to Reddit after the show. So let's get done with this. (laughs) All right. Um, Injured hiker is carried down Carter Mariah Trail. So this was on. So we've got a bunch of these that popped up now. There's like four search and rescue events that happened over the weekend. So this is like, I think this is just sort of the situation where people are anxious to get out and they're either having bad luck on the trails or they're not prepared for like a little bit of ice that's going on here, Stomp. Mm -hmm. But on um, Saturday, the 23rd, uh, around 10.30 a.m., Fish and Game were notified of an injured hiker on Carter Mariah Trail. The hiker is a 56-year-old from Plymouth, New Hampshire. She was uh, attempting to summit Mariah with her hiking companion when she took a step to avoid ice on a rock ledge on the trail about 2.7 miles from the trailhead. And she heard a, I guess she was doing this maneuver, and she heard an audible snap. Ooh. Um, And she felt an immediate pain in her lower leg. Her hiking companion came to her aid. And they des- they decided pretty quickly to call 911, which initiated a rescue response. So they had six volunteers from AVSAR, the Androscoggin Valley Search and Rescue Team, um, that, that joined with um, Fish and Game officers. So I guess prior to the rescue personnel arriving on the scene, the hiker was assisted by some other hikers to make her more comfortable. I'm guessing on a Saturday on that trail, there's probably pretty good traffic, so they might have picked up a couple of um, assistance, some assistance from other hikers. Yeah, Yeah. but she was carried by five um, COs and six volunteers over a mile, uh, where they were eventually able to get an ATV out there to load her in and transfer her to the the trailhead, and then she was off to off to the hospital. Good. Yeah. Interesting arithmetic there, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and. Big shout out to this hiker. She got exact. So if I never want to be on this, but if I ever am, the what they gave her on the um, 
the press release is that the hiker is an experienced hiker who was prepared for spring hiking conditions in the White Mountains and had purchased a hike safe card. So our boy George, just a heads up, we've got a hike safe card <laughs> and we've got a rescue. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. So there you go, George. Good for you. Um, so the next one is, uh, oh, sorry. Hold on. I got to get to my, actually, I'll prepare when I'm doing this. And, um, um, before I get into that, I got three more rescues. There was helicopter training on Mount Washington. Stomp. Oh, yeah. I heard about that. I had people sending me texts like, hey, what's up with the, the two Blackhawks and this and that? And I'm like, I don't know. Probably training. Yeah, yeah, they, it's exactly what they were doing. They did a um, a touch and go, I think, on the on the um, on the peak of Mount Washington. Wow, super cool! I had that yep. experience actually when I was doing what is it, the Middle Sisters over at Chicora? Is that the name of those peaks? Yeah. Okay, I was yep. making my way over there, and they did a touch a touch and go, as you call it. And uh, I don't think they saw me. I was like <laughs> within like 30 feet hiding, hiding behind a bush and they were just like doing their thing. Really neat. Oh, that's yeah, cool. it was really cool. That's cool. All right. So uh, three more here to go. So this was a busy weekend. Yeah. So on April 24th, which I think it was Saturday, uh, Sunday, um, around 6.50 p.m. Fishing Game notified um, by a Department of Natural and Cultural Resources Mountain Patrol Ranger. I don't know what that is about an injured hiker who was also experiencing a medical issue on the white cross trail on Monadnock. Hmm. So the victim was a 20 year old from Nashua, New Hampshire. She was hiking with her friends when she suffered a fall and was in need of assistance. I'm guessing Monadnock's pretty, pretty dry right now, but maybe think. not. Yeah. But, um, park staff, conservation officers from fishing game and members of the upper Valley wilderness response team and Jaffrey fire department responded to the white cross trail halfway between the upper junction and the lower junction. So pretty far up, Mm -hmm. um, after receiving medical uh, attention, food and water, the hiker was placed in a litter and was carried down the trail to the trailhead at Monadnock. So call came in at six 50. They got her to the trailhead by nine 45 and she was off to the hospital. So wow. she, um, I guess she, she got pretty lucky there, but it's a pretty far distance. And that trail is, it's, it's, it's steep up where she was. It's not easy to probably get, get her down from there. It gets easier, but it is a, it's a bit of a haul for the rescuers, but Monadnock's not a bad place to get a rescue because there's a lot of people around. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And, uh, um, like I'm encouraging it. Thank you to, uh, Avsar and Upper Valley for, given your time remember these teams are all volunteer yeah yeah they're good stuff so um here's one that is um is it pigsga state park pisca Pisca, i guess pisca i'm gonna get hammered for this pronunciation but is it up and up Yeah, I don't know. Um, unprepared hikers rescued in Pisgah State Park in Winchester. So around 945, fishing game was notified by Cheshire County dispatch of a pair of hikers in distress. So they called 911. 1% battery life left on their phone. No warm clothes, no map. That's rough. Lights, water, or food. So they had 1% on the battery, no warm clothes, no map. No light, no water, no food. Other than that, they were well prepared. Um, yeah, that's 
That's a rough one. That's a scary situation. Because it's cold out. Well, listen to this. So they were, with the 1% battery, they were able to establish from the 911 call that was made by the hikers the position of the hikers. So they were located approximately like two miles from the Kilburn Trailhead located in Chesterfield Road in Hinsdale. Wow. So lucky. They were lucky. But the call came in at 945. Fishing game was able to negotiate the location of the distressed hikers, and the hikers were located around midnight, cold in need of an evacuation, slightly off the Kilburn Loop Trail in Winchester, brought back to their vehicles at the trailhead by 1 a.m. And young hikers from New York, so out of town. I don't know if it was a boyfriend-girlfriend situation, but it looks like it may have been. Uh, both were self-admittedly wholly unprepared for the hike. One of the hikers was also cited for illegal possession of a controlled drug. Yeah, so that's unfortunate. Not a good night. Yeah. Yep. yep. There's plenty of that out there. That's unfortunate. Well, it's a lesson learned. Yep. A big one. Lesson learned. Not a, I mean, a little bit of a foul, a little bit of harm, but not, not too much. Yeah. So. Oh, man. Okay. Good. And then uh, next one here, and this is the last one. A hiker rescued on the Crawford Ridgepole Trail. Is that, is that the Ridgepole? Is, that's what Ty was talking about? That's what we yeah. hiked, right? Yeah. What what portion of it, I wonder? Because it's lengthy. Um, yeah, yeah, I'll see here. So on Monday, April 25th, around 4 p.m., fishing game officers responded to a call for assistance on the Crawford Ridgepole hiking trail in Sandwich. A female subject was unable to continue walking due to a medical condition. So 51-year-old from New York and her husband were hiking Mount Percival in Holderness. Oh. After reaching the summit area, they were directed by another hiker to take the Crawford Ridgepole trail. So Percival, and then I'm assuming they must have went right. I don't know. It sounds like they went uh, they went away from Morgan and yeah. to the like Sandwich Notch area. Wow! So great advice. They continued along the trail for two miles when um, the the female hiker began suffering from a medical condition. Realized she'd not be able to continue. Conservation officers responded and determined that the fastest way to her location was the doublehead trail in Sandwich. So, yeah, they must have, where we started, they must have came up that way. That's amazing. Um, yeah. So, they located her at approximately 6 p.m. What time did the call start? So, 4 p.m. They located her by 6. So, it was only two hours. She was given medical aid and assistance and was able to complete the hike on her own. So, hmm. she arrived at the doublehead trailhead parking area around 8.30 and was transported back to her vehicle. So, all good. Um, Incredible. But, yeah. That's a great trail, sure though. Just, we got to get back there and, and take that chip off our shoulders. Take the whole, you want to do the whole traverse, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Get Cotton and Willard and just call it a day. Got to blast it out. Yeah. I'll do that. <laughs> I'll do that. It's for so sure. much fun. Um, and I will tell you, like this, this hike on Adams, like I am definitely. I always pride myself of like, I'm a super strong hiker and I can go uphill and I'm fat. <laughs> like I was hiking with this person that's gritting and she was just way stronger than I was. And I was just like, I'm getting old. <laughs> I can't, I can't hang with her. <laughs> so, Doesn't that suck? Oh my God. It's yep. and I also, I took my, um, my heavier pack. I took snowshoes because yes. I had the snowshoes and I'm kicking myself, but I, 
the Randolph Mountain Club put an update out and they were the day before I was going hiking and they were like, there's still snow up here and you should take snowshoes. And they put a picture on the trail of like probably a foot of snow. So I was like, shit, I better take them just in case. But I didn't need them. So I was carrying a little bit of a heavier pack. I should have taken my day pack, but I took the bigger winter pack. Yeah, We're doing a, uh, a training tomorrow, a, um, a shoulder season training, just a, a simulated rescue at Artist Bluff. And Artist Bluff is just my speed right now. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Are you losing weight, though? You actually look like you've lost some weight. Uh, I've been working a lot more, just getting out and whatever else. And my wife and I have been trying to do the daily hike. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I th- thanks, man. Except for the stains on my T-shirt, yeah, yeah. I'm looking all right. <laughs> yeah, you're looking like Archie Bunker there with those stains. So. Yeah. Oh, so this is, an, this is a wrap, right? This is a wrap, dude. An hour and forty, a lot longer than I thought That's it was going to take. But anyway, we'll we'll see you next week. Adios. <laughs> Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want to learn more about the topics covered in today's show, please check out the show notes and safety information at slasherpodcast.com. That's S-L-A-S-R podcast.com. You can also follow the show on Facebook and Instagram. We hope you'll join us next week for another great show. Until then, on behalf of Mike and Stump, get out there and crush some mega peaks. Now covered in scratches, blisters, and bug bites, Chris Staff wanted to complete his most challenging day hike ever. Fishing game officers say the hiker from Florida activated an emergency beacon yesterday morning. He was hiking along the Appalachian Trail when the weather started to get worse. Officials say the snow was piled up to three feet in some spots and there was a wind chill of minus one degree. And there's three words to describe this race. Do we all know what they are? Lieutenant James Nealon, New Hampshire Fish and Game. Lieutenant, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me. What are some of the most common mistakes you see people make when they're heading out on the trails to hike here in New Hampshire? Seems to me the most common is being unprepared. And I think if they just simply visited uh, hikesafe.com and got a list of the 10 essential items and had those in their packs, they probably would have no need to ever call us at all.